right. Well, good morning, New Life Church. How is everybody? Did the time change uh, kind of mess with you? No? Okay. All right. Because you guys kind of sounded like you might have went to sleep there for a brief moment. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got parents that will be coming back in in just a moment after their kids are dropped at their class. But um, let's, um, let's prepare ourselves for the Word of God. You guys ready for the Word of the Lord today? Amen. Come on. Who's excited about God's Word to lead us, to guide us, to direct us, to fill our life and change us? Amen. Amen. Well, listen, we have uh, some special folks with us today. Uh, they're, not, they're not guests. They're, they're family. And uh, they were, I was privileged to be under their leadership for nearly 15 years uh, in Memphis at uh, formerly Christ the Rock Church, now called Renewal Church. Had an opportunity to preach there back in the early spring. Um, uh, their son, my dear friend uh, and brother in Christ, Chris, is their pastor now. And uh, we uh, got a lot in common through church history and change and uh, growing up together. But uh, I tell you, uh, these folks are pastors to pastors. They are teachers of teachers. They really are. Uh, They travel all around and to preach, to minister the love of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and have a tremendous ministry um, since uh, becoming... Uh, Pastor Emeritus of the church. They didn't retire. Uh, I've heard it said they refired and just recharged up and in a new vein and a new thing that God's doing. But they uh, serve as one of our outside elders for our church, and I like to have them here at least once a year, which is not enough, uh, but due to scheduling and calendar things. But we do have them here with us today, and they're going to be with some of our leadership team tonight. Uh, But let's welcome Pastors Fred and Valerie Bennett. Well, we call Jeremy and Haley our kids. They're my other kids. I even put that on Facebook this morning. I feel like we've known them forever, and Haley and Denise, my daughter, they were travel on missions trips together. So we've known these kids forever, and I call them kids. So I hope that doesn't offend you. I know they're your pastors, but they're my kids. They're our kids. We love them dearly, and we're so excited to be here this morning with you. Uh, it's always a joy to come here to see what God is doing. And you know what? Your church feels good. It feels healthy. Mm-hmm. It really does. God's doing something new and fresh. And, and we're seeing this across the board. Wherever there's a group of people that have a hunger for God, that have a hunger to see God move in their church, in their families, in their marriages, in their relationships with their kids. You know, when you're that hungry, God comes through. And it's like the word we've heard this morning in the songs. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He's with us all the time, regardless of what you go through. Mm -hmm. God's a good God, and he loves us. So we're just privileged to be here this morning with you. And uh, like Jeremy said, we do travel, and uh, we brought some of our books that we've written since we are now emeritus, pastors and teachers. And uh, we deal with marriage. That's the front that the devil is after right now so much. He wants to destroy couples. If he can destroy couples, he destroys families, and then he destroys the church, and he destroys society. That's the devil's M.O. So we need to be on guard. So, and we've got books to deal with all kinds of relationships, your finances too, how to be a witness in the workplace. Come on, everybody else is out of the closet. We need to get out of the closet mm-hmm. and promote Jesus, really. 
the way we live, the way we talk, the way we act. So come and see me at the table. I have my little gizmo on my iPhone, so if you don't have cash, you can use your debit card or your credit card. We're not here to make money. You know, we're not. It's not about the income. It's about the outcome. We want to leave a deposit of the word inside of you because we've lived the good, the bad, the ugly, and now we're living the really good, and we want to leave a deposit in each one of you. So our, our books are just 10 bucks each. So anyway, my husband's going to bring the word this morning. Thank you for having us. Amen. Well, good morning, new life. Amen. You love your new life? Hope you do. Praise God. It's uh, certainly where all the love of God extended to us. And uh, how, how much more can we love others through his love? Um, just so appreciate your pastors and the work that God's doing in and through them here in Denmark slash Jackson, wherever we are here this morning, uh, at New Life Church. And uh, just want you to know we really do care about this couple. We care about them a lot. We pray for them constantly. Uh, we were just praying this week for about you concerning your, your uh, work of faith, your labor of love, and your patient, patient, patient <laughs> endurance, and uh, the hope that you have for what God wants to do. So why don't we just extend our hands to them. I'm just going to take some liberty here. Uh, I'm an old guy, so I can get away with a lot of stuff. Father, we just thank you for this precious couple. We thank you for the beautiful children, all their family, extended family, this church family, oh Lord God. We pray that you will continue to strengthen them. And thank you, thank you, Lord, that your love so shines in and through them and has touched all of our lives and countless lives beyond this circle. We bless them today. We honor them, O oh Lord God, and we just look forward to all that lies ahead. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, as uh, we heard in so many of the songs and Pastor uh, emphasized and reiterated this morning, I want to talk about the love of God today. It seems to me that we could use a strong dose of love in America right now. Uh, we've had this uh, exciting election. I'm trying to choose my words carefully here. I might describe that in private in different words. But uh, it's just been incredible. Uh, I, I, I've never seen such passion over an election. Uh, I've never really witnessed so much hostility. Uh, and even amongst the brethren and family. We were up in Canada, and we were getting drilled about the election. And I'm looking at them like, you don't vote. Well, I don't think you vote in our election. Maybe you do. I don't know. But, uh, uh, you know, what, why would you care? But, you know, there's an old saying up in Canada that if the elephant next door gets a cold, they get pneumonia. And so, uh, you know, it, it's a big deal to them and, and somehow bigger. I, I laughed. So many of the Canadians we talked to were bemoaning the fact that the election they just held for prime minister lasted an almost unendurable three months. I thought, three months. Wow, what I would give for those days, Prince. I do vaguely remember that there seemed to be a death. But you know what? This, this campaigning is going to start again the day after the election. 
it's just going to wind up again. People are just so passionate, so angry. Uh, we were on one of our trips up north, and we stopped over here outside of Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, with a guy that I had not seen since he and I were going to college together back in the 60s. And... Uh, a uh, dear friend of mine, Mickey Burrell, I probably shouldn't say his name, but he, he married a girl while he was in the Navy, just as I married a Canadian girl while I was in the Air Force. And uh, we sat down, and I thought we we're just going to have this great time of remembering and reconnecting, and all they wanted to do was recruit us for their candidate. And boy, I was glad to get out of that lunch and move on down the road. Uh, I just feel like we need a dose of love uh, on a macro scale, if you will. I, I don't know, what, what comes to your mind when you think about this election? I, I, words that pop into my mind are things like a big food fight. Uh, you know, I, I've never heard so much name calling and so forth in all my life. But, uh, but on a, another scale... Val and I go to a particular exercise club in Memphis, and we find that's really good for working through your anxieties about politics or whatever else. And uh, I watched something as uh, we were working out. I saw this precious lady, probably about our age. She walked up to this guy that was on one of the machines, and uh, he had walked away from the machine and gotten on another one. And as she was walking toward this empty machine now, he quickly rushes over and tells her, no, I'm still using this. Well, number one, that's not how it's supposed to work. But number two, you know, I was struck by how strong and assertive he was with this lady. And I'm watching her reaction, and she, you know, says, oh, well, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were still using it, uh, uh, do, you, do you know about how much longer you'll be on the machine? And he gives her a not-so-nice answer about as long as he pleases, as how he's going to be on it. And she still did not flinch. You know, she just looked at him with kindness and said, well, thank you. And she just moved on and went to another machine. And I thought, wow. You know, there are things a lot smaller than that that can really get under my skin. Anybody, can we just be honest today, you know, where I don't feel so loving and so kind and, and generous as she was being. And I, I was just so touched by it that uh, as I was leaving what I was doing, I passed by her on her next machine. I just looked at her and I said, I just really appreciate your heart. Dear friends, we live in a time whether we're in the persecuted church or the soon-to-be-persecuted church, when we need more of the love of God. I know we have the love of God, but perhaps we need a greater understanding of the love of God. Perhaps we need a fresh anointing. Because, you know, sometimes love is something that you can take for granted. Valerie and I share in our marriage seminars about the, uh, uh, the old boy who made the comment, you know, I told my wife I loved her when I married her, and if anything changes, I'll let her know. Well, you know, that's not really an expression of the love of God. Uh, there's a lot that can happen in the absence of that. And I realize love is more than communication, but that is also a really, really big part of it. In Mark chapter 10, a young man a rich young ruler came running up to Jesus, fell at his feet, and looked at the Lord and said, how may I inherit eternal life? And you probably remember the occasion Jesus, you know, asked him, um, 
you know, about the commandments, and he said he'd been keeping the commandments and, and all the rest of it. And the part of the scripture that really touched me is where it says this, Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, one thing you lack. Now, real love, the love of God, will not hesitate to share with you in love the one thing, oh Lord, if it was only one thing, but the one thing that you may lack. But that's how love is. Love is real. Love is transparent. Love is the true authenticity. Love will tell us what we lack. And Jesus responds to him and he says, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. Now, we all know how the rich young ruler responded to that. He went away from Jesus because he had so much riches, so many goods that he, he didn't know what to do. He didn't know how to love others with what he had. He was thinking of it mostly just in terms of what I can gather to myself, what I can have that makes me look good, that makes me comfortable, that makes me feel good about myself. He was an inward-looking man rather than turning yourself outward. You know, that's something else I find about the love of God. It really does turn us inside out. It turns us every way but loose. Well, once we've known the love of God, once we've been challenged by, by all the implications of it, when we really meditate and ponder it, it's amazing the transformation that can begin to take place. That part about where Jesus adds, and come take up your cross in loving me and, and follow me reminds us that loving people with the love of God, oh my, seems like an impossible standard. The word also says, Jesus said, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, if there were ever a bar that seemed too high or a chasm too broad to cross, that's certainly, anybody ever feel intimidated by that particular commandment? Just be perfect. Just be perfect. But I think when we realize the perfection Jesus is talking about is this perfect love that has been poured out in our hearts. In other words, it is a given to us who know the Lord, who have received his love through faith in Jesus Christ, his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. I mean, after all, whenever you and I look at a cross, the first thing we should take, think about is look at the love of God such love that one would lay down his life for his friends to be friends of God to know that God so loved us that he he so loved the world that he gave he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life you know, in 1 Corinthians 13, I believe the Apostle Paul touches on this. In verse, number, uh, in verse number 3 it says, Though I bestow, you know this is the love chapter, Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, And though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, It profits me nothing. 
You can be making all sorts of sacrifices, but if we're not doing it in the love of the Lord, we're missing the mark. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself and is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Oh, wow. Anybody else need some help with that one besides me? Uh, I mean, you know, while some of those thoughts just kind of creep in, you'll hear a comment and, you know, the first thing, uh, I'm thinking the worst about somebody and what their intentions and their motives are. And, you know, those are the things. But God's love is so pure. God's love is so enduring. Could I say that God's love is so powerful that even when we're thinking the wrong way, he can turn us back. He can turn us around to where we start looking at people differently. You know, I really didn't know what to call the message this morning. I started out thinking about the look of love when Jesus looked at this rich young ruler. Uh, I, I, I thought about unfailing love, which was the theme really of so much of the music that we were uh, worshiping God together with this morning. But I also thought about the renewal of love because most everyone here knows the love of God. But we need a renewal of the love of God in us, in our marriages and families, in our church, but also to this community. I, I was so blessed to see this uh, thing you're doing in November for the Christmas blessing for the community. Now that's really turning yourselves inside out so that you can love this community with the love of God. It's a powerful love. It has such a rich, rich effect on the lives of others. Love does not, is not provoked, does not think evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, Love what? Never fails. Say it with me. Love never fails. Love never fails. Whatever gifts we may be trying to operate, whatever faith that might move mountains, I tell you what, love never fails. Dear friends, if you hear nothing else from me this morning, hear this. The most important thing of all in our walk with Christ is the love of God. And that love, that perfect love, being perfected more and more in our lives. I, I think I shared with you last year when we were here, and we still pray this way from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse number 1, that we're, Val and I have been standing our watch upon the ramparts. We've been watching and praying so that we may see what God is saying, not just hear it, because sometimes when we've heard it so often, we get numb to it. We need to see it with new eyes. So Lord, anoint our eyes that we may see and perceive. Anoint our ears that we may hear and understand. Anoint the thoughts of our minds that we may have the mind of Christ. And anoint, Lord, the desires of our heart that we may have your desire. And not just ours, but what you desire. Oh, we, we're looking and we're saying to the Lord, Oh God, we want to know what to do 
when we are reproved. You know, when Jesus looked at this rich young ruler and loved him, that's what followers of Jesus do. We lead with love. We look at people with love first. Not suspicion, not prejudice, not anger, not preconceived notions, but we lead with the love of God first. I mean, to me, that's even better than giving people the benefit of the doubt, isn't it? I mean, when you're looking at them first with love, you will be amazed how much your perception of them will be transformed. You may have been tempted to judge them and to think all manner of evil against them, even though you barely know them. But when you look at them what, what, how did that with the eyes of love, the love of God, it changes our perception. Friends, when we've known the love of God, our perception of people and circumstances is changed. That's what the love of God is really all about. We begin to see and to perceive differently. We don't look at life the way that we looked at it before. It's been said that the great artist and sculptor Michelangelo was asked, how do you know what can be carved out of one huge piece of marble or some other kind of stone? And his answer was, I see the image that is inside the stone and I chip all the rest of it away. I thought, wow, to be able to look at others that way. See, I, I believe that's what Jesus was doing with the rich young ruler. He wasn't trying to impoverish him to make his life miserable. I mean, he didn't ask the question. This guy asked the question, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus immediately begins to chip away at whatever is hiding the image of God that is obscured by sin by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, whatever it is that is not of God, he starts to chip away at it. That's what love does. Love calls out the image of God that is in every one of us. That's how the love of God looks at people. Wednesday evening at church, uh, at Renewal Church, uh, I was ministering and after at the close there was uh, our son got up uh, the pastor of the church and said if you'd like for any of us to pray with you we'd be happy to do that and I noticed this one you you're sitting about where you are this one young man immediately jumped up and made a beeline right for me now I'd met him just before the service he was new to the congregation in fact that was his first Wednesday night that he'd ever attended and he came to me, and, and he started to share with me. He said, I, I just need direction from God. I, I, I'm, I'm not, not happy with what I'm doing. I, I'm not fulfilled with the work I, I'm, I'm in. And this word was so fresh on my mind that I'm looking at him, and I can see that he loves the Lord. He, he's not so much worried about himself as he is about how he loves God. I saw how he loved his wife. I saw how he loved his children I, I, I just saw the love of God at work in his life and I began to realize he was a teacher what, what do they call this uh, 
thing, Teach America or America Teaches, I, I forget which, which it is, but one or the other, where people actually move into a, a city like Memphis and they're there to serve as a teacher in one of the public schools or one of the other kinds of schools. And so here he was, he's doing this, but he's really not fulfilled. And I, I just felt in the love of God to say to him, you know, you're called to teach, but you're just not teaching what you're called to teach. You're called to teach the love of God. You're called to teach the word of God. His wife was standing there and they're giving each other, married people know what I'm about to say, they're giving each other the look. Okay, that, that communication that requires no words between a husband and wife. They're giving each other the look and I realized God knew precisely and exactly what this brother needed to hear. It was seen through the love of God. We can see so much more of God at work in this world if we will just look with the love of the Lord. Rather than, as I said, our fears, our doubts, our suspicions, and whatever else is, is perverting what we're seeing. Oh, we're created in the image of God. Everybody okay with that? We're crea that's biblical in it. We're created in the image of God, but it's been hidden inside of us and can only be seen in love and called out by prophesying. Now, when I speak of prophesying, I'm not talking about doomsday prophecies. Uh, I, I'm not talking about end time prophecies or predictions or things of that nature. What I'm talking about is the spirit of prophecy, which is what? To edify, to build up, to encourage, to console where it's needed. It, it's, it's, it's love talk, <laughs> It's how God talks to us. It's his love speaking to us and chipping away the things that are peripheral and unnecessary and really have nothing to do with the abundance of life that he's prophesied to us. Last Sunday, uh, we were ministering at Citygate Church in South Haven, Mississippi, and uh, uh, Vicki and Dan were sitting right, right about here on the front row, and I looked at Vicki and I, I spoke a word to her about it's time to write the book. Now, I wasn't the first one who told her that. I was just another one coming along and chipping off a chunk of it to set her free to do what she knew in her heart she needed to be doing. And then as I looked at the both of them, I began to speak to them about feeding the sheep of the house tending God's people and, uh, and immediately the passage where Jesus takes Peter aside and he says to Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? Then tend my lamp, feed my lambs. And uh, then a second time Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me more than these? Then, then feed my sheep. And then a third time, Peter, do you love me more than these? And at this point, Peter's, you know, ready to object. He's like, Lord, you know I love you. See, this is an expression of the love of God. The love that you have for one another here in this sheepfold called New Life Church. The care that we have for each other. 
how we when one rejoices we all rejoice when one suffers we all suffer with them we're together we're brought together to be perfected in the love of the Lord you know prophesying to me is chipping away at the doubts the fears the failures of the past the feelings of incompetence in order to release the image of God that is within us you know right after that where Jesus three times asked Peter now what, what was Jesus doing was he condemning Peter your love's not enough or I don't believe that you love me no he was chipping away and whatever Peter thought would limit him, would keep him from feel, fulfilling God's call on his life. So it wasn't that. But immediately after that, Jesus looks at him in the very next verse, John 21, verses 18 and 19, and says this to him. When you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you or bind you and carry you where you do not wish this he spoke signifying by what death Peter would glorify God. You see, friends, this is why the Father sent Jesus to us. Not to condemn us, but to set us free. To set us free even from the fear of death. Whether it's the persecuted church in a far-flung corner of the world, or the increasing persecution that the church is finding right here in North America. Churches are being persecuted. You find government officials saying things about the church and about the church people and about God's word that we never used to hear before, at least not publicly. But now it's being noised abroad. There, there is this... You know, Jesus said, did not say, let me put it this way, Jesus did not say the world is going to ignore you. He did not say the world's not going to like you. What he did say was the world will hate you. Hate you. You see, the world and the kingdom of God are diametrically opposed to one another. One is the antithesis of the other. And we need to reconcile that so that we will not be afraid. For whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. Perfect love cast out what? Fear. Valerie was saying it's one of the phrases she's noted for. Everybody else has come out of the closet. Maybe it's time for us to as well. Maybe it's time for us not just to be bold in the church house, but to be bold in public life, in the public square, no matter what the persecution that may ensue, no matter what may come against us, it's time for us in the love of God to stand up, to speak out, and to be the love of God. In Romans 8, 29 and 30, Paul wrote, Whom he foreknew, he predestined. Predestined to be conformed to what? the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, and whom he predestined, he called, he justified, and he glorified. But Paul wrote it again in Ephesians chapter 1 that we are predestined 
to adoption as sons. Oh, friends, this is the love of God to release the image of God that is hidden inside every one of us so that the love of God which is poured out into our hearts will work to redeem our time, our talents, our relationships, our life, everything that we are and with which we have to do for the glory of God. You know, multitudes came to Jesus because of signs and wonders. They came for the great teaching. They said, no one else teaches like this man. But you know why they would stay with him even out in the wilderness where there were no food trucks to eat from or anything? You know, you know why they stayed? Because he loved them. He loved them like the religious of their day had never expressed love for them before. They were confronted with the love of God. How many of you remember when you were first confronted with the love of God? Oh, it wrecked me. I was oh, a wretched, wretched sinner, a blasphemer. I was a persecutor of the church. At any opportunity, I would malign the people. Now, I grew up in the church, and that's why I was maligning them. I knew too much. <laughs> I'd seen too much go on behind the scenes and everything else. And, and I, I just detested it. It just seemed like all it was was about bondage to keep me from doing what I really wanted to do. But then one day, God sent a man, a pastor, and I saw in this man the love of God like I'd never seen before. Now, I know that my mom and dad loved God, but how many of you know you look at your parents a little bit differently? They're, they're sort of exceptional, right? I, I was looking for somebody that was the, the real deal. Somebody that I felt like, wow, now he knows something about loving God. He knows something about loving people. And he was unashamed. Because, you know, we, 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 we had grown up, Val and I, Roman, Val, Roman Catholic. I was United Methodist in very structured, formalized church settings and everything else. I was watching a little show last night, and this English lady was saying, I've been trained all my life that under no circumstances was I ever to show emotion. <laughs> and I thought, well, we were sort of trained like that in the church. You weren't supposed to show emotion. You didn't have the freedom. If you put your hand up, they thought you wanted to go to the restroom. I mean, you know, it, it wasn't that way. It was all very formalized. It was very controlled. It was very, uh, you know, structured by the hand of man to the point where you, you couldn't see the love of God anymore. And then this pastor walks in, a new pastor into this church where Valerie and I had started attending to try to save our marriage. He wasn't there two weeks, and suddenly it was like, oh, snap. It's not our marriage that needs to be saved. We need to be saved. We need to be saved from ourselves and our own sinfulness, and we were just shattered and wrecked by the love of God. Do you remember that? Oh, friends, that powerful love is still at work in the earth today. All God's looking for is a people 
who are bold and unashamed, who can con confess with the Apostle Paul, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, to the Jew first and to the Greek, the Gentile also. Oh, friends, that's what it means to be really free, not to be stone cold, not to be some formalized image, but rather to be the heart and the love of God Almighty. As we were driving down I-40 up here this morning, I kept seeing these billboards with Tina Turner's smiling face on there. Anybody know what I'm talking And the one song that always jumps into my mind when I see her face is, what's love got to do with it? And at least, I won't blame it on Tina, but at least in the lyrics of the song, it was called a secondhand emotion. Remember that? Yeah, um, that's the problem when you get to be my age. Everything's a song. And so, uh, but nothing could be further from, what's love got to do with it? Folks, everything. It's the main thing. All the other becomes meaningless. Formality. Religious works. It's love. Is our capacity to love, to love one another, and to love this world, beginning with our own community. We won't lose hope if we look at others on their best days and their worst with the love of God. Because hope does not disappoint. Because of the love of God that has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Love will look at mangled, broken, desperate lives and in love see the image of God that's hidden within. Love will look at a life being lived way below its potential and see what will give God glory. God's love is life-giving. God's love, the Bible says, is the more excellent way. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus is eating at a Pharisee's house. And while they're dining together, this woman comes walking in uninvited. A, she's a woman for that day. B, she's apparently a well-known sinner in the community. Only she comes and she makes her way up behind Jesus. She's got this alabaster vial of perfume. And with her tears... And this perfume, she's anointing his feet and she's worshiping him. And the Pharisee, looking at her with his religious eyes, only sees a sinner. And he's thinking, now if this guy Jesus is who he says he is, he'd know who this is and he'd stop this right now. But Jesus is looking at her with the love of God and he says... Your sins, your faith has saved you, your sins are forgiven. Well, this just outrages the religious Pharisee all the more. And Jesus tells a little parable. He says, there were two debtors. They owed a debt to the same man. One of them owed him $50, another owed him, owed him $500. They did not have the means with which to repay the debt. And so, this man forgives them of their debt and sets them free. Now, in this parable, 
who is the man who forgives the dead? It's Jesus. And then he asked the Pharisee, Simon, who do you think loved him more? And Simon says, I suppose the one who was forgiven more. Right answer, Simon. I hope you'll remember this little parable because this is important. This is a picture of the love of God. Do you remember how much you've been forgiven? How much God loved you, has loved each one of us in spite of ourselves? And how that same love is poured out in us so that we can share it with other people. This is what the love of God is all about. Religion saw her as a sinner, an intruder, a problem, but Jesus' love saw the image of God in her. Let me close with this. Then Jesus said to the woman, go in peace. You know what that means? Going in peace is continuing to have faith in the love of God. In the Holy Spirit this morning, I want to renew you in your love for the Lord. I, I want to renew you in your desire to love the unlovely, the unlovable, the mangled and the broken, the messed up, the ones that maybe in our minds we might judge as having, I'm sorry, but they went too far. Can I tell you in truth this morning, there is no going too far. Not in the love of God. That love reaches us wherever we were. He reached me where I was. And a dramatic transformation began to take place. What does the word say? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Now, if he just stopped there, it might seem achievable. But then he goes on to say, and oh, by the way, love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments are all the law and all the prophets fulfilled. Now that's pretty heavy, folks. That's pretty heavy. On these two commandments. It's one thing to love the Lord, but it's another thing to love my neighbor with that same love. Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself, but then he pushed the envelope in even further, and he said, also I say to you, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Because love covers a multitude all sins. We're to love one another as he loves us. Love owes no one anything except to love one another. Let's just cancel out all debts right now. All debts in our relationships. No one owes me anything except to love one another. Praise God. Then it says love lays down one's life for his friends. There's no greater love than this. Love edifies. Love suffers long and is kind. You know, there are many subjects that you're required to take in university. Somewhere along the way, they start to press you. They want you to, to declare a major. And once you do and you graduate, and you're eligible, then you can go on to graduate school and you can get that master's degree. 
You know, the way of the kingdom is so much simpler because we all share the same major. It's the love of God. If you're going to major on anything, major on the love of God. Major on the master who is the love of God, who's given his all to us. What does the word say? Even when it comes to spiritual gifts, pursue love. It's the first thing. It's the main thing. It's the major thing. It informs everything else. Open up our hearts today, Lord. Open our hearts up today to love more fervently, more deeply, in a more committed way, oh Lord God. Because your love never fails. It's not just a short-term thing. It's not that I've got a certain amount of time to get turned around and straightened out. My goodness, if that had been the case with me, I'd have been left to die a godless eternity. But God's love chased me. We were singing that this morning, I think. His love chases after us. His love pursues us. So some of you have been tempted to forgive, to give up on some family members. Just gave up on some neighbors and built a wall and decided there's never going to be any peace. Some of us are content with the idea that if my neighbor does me no harm, then I must be good. But you know, doing no harm is not the love of God. It's far more than that. It surpasses that. Oh God, open our eyes. Open our eyes to a vision of your love again. How many of you have seen the movie Risen? Anybody seen the movie Risen? Wow, you need to watch this. It is powerful. The scenes that arrested me, that just grabbed my heart, were the scenes where Jesus is with his disciples. And the love portrayed by the character playing Jesus, just as he looked at them and talked with them and built them up and encouraged them, reminded me of that first love. You know, love reproves us when we're lacking something. When we've lost that first love, we've lost something precious. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that we would be reminded and stirred up, stirred up, O oh Lord, to love and to good works that you may be glorified in us and through us to the praise of Jesus' name. Val and I'd love to pray for you here at the end of the service, but right now I'm going to turn it back to Pastor Jeremy. Amen. Amen. Who can testify that that word hit home today? Come on. Come on. You can never, can never get enough of the dose of a reminder, of a renewal of God's love for us. Because not only does He love us, first loved us, but then He calls us to be the deliverers of His love to other people. Amen. And I know that's easier said than often done. But in a day and time that we live today, that is the thing that will conquer all hate, 
that will cross all divides, that will bridge any gap, and that will bring peace right here, right into our soul, right into our heart, is the love of God.